0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Scottish Clans Podcast. I'm Clint Edwards, your host. Welcome back if you've listened to other episodes before this, and welcome if this is your first time here. I'm glad to have you with me today. I am so excited to share this podcast or this episode today, but before I get to the content that you've clicked on this episode for, I want to start off first by apologizing I'm trying to put out weekly episodes. However, last week, I spent the whole week in Southern California on a vacation with my family. You see here in the community in Southeast Idaho that I live in, we are released from school for two weeks so that we can harvest potatoes. Now, my family is not directly involved this year with harvesting the potatoes, so what that does is turn that into a two-week vacation. We decided to take last week... And go down to Southern California, yet our pace or our tempo of the vacation and the activities that we were engaged in was such that I did not get a lot of free time outside of what I was doing with the family, which is great because we had some good experiences and some good memories we had together that we'll hopefully always look back with fondness on. However, I think I'm going to need the whole next week to recover from the vacation. And I know some of you know how that is. So... Uh, I did not get a chance to record an episode and put it on now, I could have just taken one of a few episodes that I already have recorded. I just haven't published them yet, and I could have just published one of those and that would have been the easy way out. However, I'm afraid that the episodes so far have I've spent so much time laying the foundation of the clans and talking about the history and the different groups they come from that I haven't got to some of the things that maybe a lot of you are hoping that I'm going to get to, which is let's talk specifically about individual clans or groups of clans and some of the specific events that happened. I know some of you are thinking, well, when's he going to get to my clan and and do an episode for the McThomas's or the Farquharson's or the McKenzie's or the guns or the whoever that you're descended from or associated with and feel passionately about. And so I didn't want to put another episode on there that didn't relate directly to that. And and I found some interesting content. You see, r- not that long ago, I had big aspirations to do a a blog. And I would publish articles on the blog that would bridge the gap between what the scholarly world is doing and the guy who just wants to type in uh, look for a, a Wikipedia article on his ancestry and you know his last name is Armstrong and he knows it came from Scotland and he just wants to find out more about him and so I wanted to bridge that gap and that's kind of what I'm still trying to do with this podcast but the, the the blog didn't work out quite like I wanted it to yet I still have some research and some articles that I'd written for the blog that I'm still really excited about and so today the format's going to be a little bit different in that I'm just going to go back to one of those blog posts that I writ- that I've written, and I'm going to read to you what I wrote. So it'll be a little bit different presentation. But before I get to that, there's another thing that I want to talk to you about starting off here, and that is I just want to say thank you for all of you who have tuned in and listened to my podcast so far. I had a, I've had a really good experience by getting uh, well. It's really been through Facebook. I am a member of several of your clan's web pages, or your Facebook pages, and I'm grateful that you've let me be a part of that. Now, I didn't join those Facebook groups or pages so that I could aggrandize myself and promote myself. In fact, several of them I'd originally already joined before I started this podcast, and I did so in the hope that I could find more sources. I could find out where your clan's original documents were, or what they were, and where you. I could find them online, and that way I could enhance my research. And then hopefully turn around and present some of that stuff back to the the individual clans or the or Scottish people as a whole, or Scottish descendants. And so that's why I hope that you'll look at me putting announcements. To the or or links to my podcast on your clan's website or on a, a web Scott a web or a Facebook page that's just for Scottish history in general. I hope you'll look at that as a way of me taking those sources and in some cases those ones that you've helped me find, and I've used them in my research. And now I'm turning around and presenting back to you some things that I hope for hope hope is a value to you I hope to be value-added it's useful to you're you interested in it and it will be something that is educational and enjoyable and so that you get something out of this relationship that I have really started off strong with because of my membership in your Facebook group so I just want to tell you I appreciate that now while we're talking about Facebook I want to say that I have my own Facebook page for this podcast, and it's called the Scottish Clans Podcast. Now, what a lot of you have been really good to do is after I posted that the link to the podcast, either through iTunes or Spotify, and by the way, I'm on Google Play now too. So... I post that link on there and a lot of you made comments and you a lot of you were very positive about it and had really good things to say and I really appreciate it and, and in some cases we actually started a little bit of a dialogue which is what I really hope to do through this podcast is not just a one-way me spewing out information but I hope to start a dialogue with you and I want it to be two-way the problem is I'm spread out so thin across all those clan pages and Scotland groups on Facebook that if you have feedback for me, whether it's a pat on the back or whether it's a correction of something I got wrong, you're helping me with my Gaelic pronunciation, which I understand right at the get-go that is pretty flawed, or you're just letting me know of some things that maybe you would like to hear me cover, anything like that, I would like you to go to my Facebook page so that I don't have to cover all these different groups and pages on Facebook please go to mine the Scottish clan's Facebook page now and, and anyway please leave your comments there and we'll start our, our dialogue on that page I realized as I was setting that up and I was actually creating a domain name for it like an actual internet URL that there's other Scottish clans Facebook pages. They're called the same thing, and I didn't think that it would be. I don't. I didn't think it would let me do that. Name my page something that's somebody else has already named it. But in getting the web address set up for it, I found that that is the case. There are other Scottish clans Facebook pages. So I'm going to give you the exact link that will take you to that page, and that is prepare to copy. Facebook.com slash clans of Scotland. That will take you right to my Facebook page. Another address that you can put in the address bar is FB.me slash clans of Scotland. I'll do that phonetically so that you can um, don't get that mixed up with any other letters. It's FB as in Foxtrot, Bravo dot M E as in Mike echo slash Clans of Scotland if you follow that you can also get to the page I think the facebook.com slash Clans of Scotland is easier to remember another one if you're looking to message me you can actually do that at M as in Mike.me as in Mike echo slash Clans of Scotland alright so that should be all the links that you need to communicate with me about this podcast or any other subject that you feel would be appropriate. All right. Thank you for being patient with me as I put that preliminary stuff out there. Now, let me get to what I actually really wanted to present to you today, which is I want to talk about the feud between the Camerons and the Macintoshes. Now, Sometimes this feud was between the Camerons and all of Clan Chattan, which the Macintoshes formed the leadership of, especially the chief of the Macintoshes. However, um, I, I, I think it'd be more appropriate to call it the Cameron versus Macintosh feud because it started between specifically the Macintoshes and the Camerons, and not every engagement included the whole Clan Chattan. So, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right, those of you who are native Gales. Anyway, so what I'm going to do to you is I'm going to read this blog post or this article that I had written about this. And the question that I want to answer is, who won the feud? This feud is one of the most famous feuds in Scottish history, and it covered nearly, roughly 350 years. So it's been, it went on for a really long time. Um, so but here's what, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to start reading now. So it's going to sound a little bit different than my conversational tone as usual. And I hope you like this. Here it goes. The feud between the Clan Cameron and the Catton Confederation was one of the most famous and long-lasting feuds in Scottish history. The feud lasted nearly 350 years and spilled a considerable amount of Highland blood. After all that time and all of those casualties, who came out the winner? Well, there's a few different ways to look at it. But first, let's get some context. Let's take a look at who the combatants were. Both combatant kindreds were actually confederations of smaller clans. Now, a lot of people, and I'm taking a break from reading real quick, just making some comments, as I'll do throughout this. Long people, everybody knows who's got any familiarity with this history that the Hatton Confederation was a group of clans that had bound together under the leadership of the MacIntoshes, which leadership was disputed by the McPhersons, but there are several clans that belonged to this confederacy. You, you have the two that I just named. You had the Farkasons, the McThomases, the McGillivrays, the Shaws of Rothiemurchus. You had, I'm not going to go down the whole list, that was just right off the top of my head, a few of the major participants in that confederacy. But what not a lot of people know is that the Camerons were also a confederacy. The Camerons were made up of primarily three earlier clans. The McGillanese of Strone, the McMartins of Letter Finley, and the McSorleys of Glen Nevis. The power base of this confederation was the western extremity of the Great Glen in the district of Lachaber. The first recorded chief of this confederation was Donald Dew, who was likely descended from the McGillanese, and ascended through marriage to a McMartin heiress. Now let me also interject here <coughs> that the Collins Scottish clan and family encyclopedia adds that another origin for the Cameron chiefs, aside from the possibility that they were McGillanese, were, was that they could have been from a Cameron kindred that had been established in Fife already. And so, but we, we don't really know which it was. All right, so they, it could have been a McGillany and a sent marriage to a McMartin heiress. I'm not really sure where that theory comes from, but that's what, I've got, that's what I was able to find in my research. From him, from Donald Dew, later chiefs derived the patronymic McDonnell Dew. It is unclear how the surname Cameron... Gallic for crooked nose came to represent the whole confederation. The Cameron chiefs historically had their headquarters at Tor Castle, northeast of present day Fort William. The Hatton Confederation was made up of many more clans than that of the Camerons. Some of the clans were related to or descended from the original Clan Hatton, like the Macphersons. Others joined the group out of expediency. The Hattons were originally a standard clan like many others. The chief of the Mackintoshes became chiefs also of the Hattons through t- the termination of the Hatton male line and the marriage of their heiress to the man who would become the chief of Clan MacIntosh. This position was contested by the Macphersons, who had a claim to the Hatton leadership through their descent from Hatton chiefs generations before intermarriage with the Mackintosh Mcin- chiefs. MacIntoshes maintained the leadership. Other clans who made up the Confederation were McBean, McPhail, Davidson, Shaw, Farkerson, Ritchie, and McThomas, who all connect to either the Hattons or Mackintoshes by blood. Also included in this group are clans who were not originally related, but who joined the Confederation through other means. These include McGillivray, McLean of Dochgarroch. McQueen, McIntyre of Badenoch, and MacAndrew. In 1291, Angus Macintosh, 6th of Macintosh, married Eva, the daughter of Dougal Dahl, 6th chief of Clan Hatton, who had no male heirs. Through this marriage, Angus became chief of Clan Chattan. Angus and Eva originally made their home at Tor Castle, on lands inherited from the Chattons, but later fled to rothy to escape quote, the enmity of Angus Og of Isla, unquote. In their absence, the Camerons moved in and occupied the vacant lands. This brings us to the feud. And when a little interjection once again here. not They didn't just move in and occupy those vacant lands. They occupied Tor Castle, where Angus and Eva had been originally living. And that's why before I mentioned that the Camerons were, their headquarters was Tor Castle. And that's how they came by that. Now let's get to the feud. The Cameron Hatton feud focused on the lands between Loch's Eel and Arceg. The Macintoshes didn't forget that this land belonged once to their predecessor Angus and their Hatton kinsmen. The Camerons, however, claimed that these lands were forfeit when they were deserted and belonged to them by right of occupation. The burden rested upon the MacIntoshes and their Hatton allies to dislodge them. Nevertheless, the feud was not comprised solely of Hatton attempts to regain these lands, as the Camerons made their fair share of raids into Hatton territory. All right, the winners and losers. Now, there are three main perspectives to take when determining who won or lost this feud. The first is the win-loss record of the respective parties. We can just look down all the battles that were fought that we have record of and think, okay, who won and who lost and who won the most times. Kind of like you would a sporting event. Although, I don't want to make light of people dying by violent means. So, you could that's one way of looking at it. The second perspective you could take on this is, is the position of each side with respect to fighting capability at the conclusion of the feud. Basically, who was in better shape at the end of the feud? Who had more fighting men? Who was in a more uh, stronger power of influence in their area? and, and That'd be a, akin to after a f- an actual fight between two people was done, looking at their injuries and saying who's worth, worse off and who's better off. Okay, well this guy has a an eye that's swole shut and his jaws broken. but the other guy is in the intensive care unit, has internal bleeding, several cracked ribs and may never walk the same again. So that's that's kind of a, a comparison of how you might look at this win loss record who was in better shape when the whole feud was done? And then the third perspective is the degree to which each side's objectives were accomplished, which you would need to know the objectives, right? Okay, so we're going to start off from perspective one. I'm just going to give a, a brief synopsis of the battles that we have record of between these two forces. And we're going to we're going to just, I'll give you just the, the bare essentials of the of the actual battle. And then we'll talk about who won, who, who lost, and who won the most times. And that will be perspective one. Who who's the winner based on who won the most battles, which I understand is flawed. Okay. <clears throat> the first one that we have record of is the Battle of Drumlui. This was supposed to have taken place in 1337, and it was won by the McIntoshes. See, Cameron, under Donald McAllen uh fought the MacIntosh forces who were led by William McIntosh, who was the son of Angus, the sixth chief who had married Eva Hatton, who, and so this William MacIntosh wanted his father's lands back. The MacIntoshes gained a victory, although it's unclear what happened to the actual land because they had, they had invaded Cameron land and had, um, that's, that was the cause of the conflict. And even though the MacIntoshes won, it's not really clear that the land just went to them. So yeah, they, but they won the battle. Okay. So that's, that's, uh, that's where we'll go as far as that one. And I, I want just, to just say right here, just interject, that a lot of the information that I have from this actually comes from the Cameron webpage. So I understand there might be a little bit of bias there. And if, if you're a Hatton descendant or sympathizer or whatever, and you've got an awesome source that I need to look to to get a more balanced view of this conflict. Feel free to once again go back to that Facebook page, and drop a little, drop a little note on there for me. Okay, and and then later, actually, I'm actually for for two of these battles, the story is just too good, and so it, rather than just give you the highlights of the battle, I'm going to read from the web page of this the Cameron web page that I've got brought up here. So, let's keep on going with the battles. So that's that first one, the Battle of Drum-Louis in thirteen thirty seven is won by the MacIntoshes. The next one is the Battle of Invernahaven. That was in 1370 or 1386, and it was actually more than one engagement. The Camerons won the first one, and then Clan Hatton. This is kind of an interesting story. You see, the the the, the MacIntosh has come in to Cameron territory once again. At the well, actually, let me let me back up a little bit. I believe the Camerons had been raiding in McIntosh territory. Actually, it was in Badenoch, so that would put you down in the McPherson and Davidson territory. So, the Camerons were there raiding. They're getting away. McIntosh and the Mc, the, the, McIntosh, the McPherson's and the Davidson's group together and follow the pursuit and pursue the, the raiders, the Camerons. Now, they they join battle, but before battle is joined, There's this argument between the McPhersons and the Davidsons over who gets to occupy the right wing because that was the spot of honor with any army. And this is... You know, I I know that when we study history, we're not supposed to judge people by our own standards. We're supposed to understand that they grew up in a different world and everything. However, this is just kind of dumb because the McPhersons get their feelings hurt about this and they just leave the battlefield. And what that did is that the Camerons originally who were inferior in number, the McPherson's leaving actually changed that and put the Camerons superior in number. And so the MacIntoshes and the Davidsons engage the Camerons who win that engagement. And then they, they, they fall back. And that night in the McPherson camp... A guy shows up claiming to be a Cameron, and he's throwing insults at them and calling them, among other things, cowards, and gets them kind of whipped up. Now, this guy who claims to be a Cameron, I can't remember which source I read this in, but said, "Uh, is it possible that this guy's actually a Macintosh? (laughs) And if so, this is brilliant, because the Macphersons get wound up about these insults that were thrown at them get themselves together, and regardless of the MacIntoshes and the Davidsons, they find the Camerons' camp and just take it to them. In a colloquial American term, they lay scunion on the Camerons and send them packing. So this turns out, the Battle of Invernahaven turns out to be actually a hat and victory. All right, moving on. The Battle of Palm Sunday, 1429. This is a Macintosh victory, but not one they should be proud of because they caught the Camerons at church on Palm Sunday and commenced the, the slaughter. Now, what I read was that there were actually very heavy casualties on both sides. you you got to hand it to the Camerons in this case because they're at church. You don't go to church to fight. And I don't know if they even started off armed or not. Maybe these guys just wore their swords everywhere. But just, I, I'm not talking about ready to fight necessarily physically. Like I'm armed and my sword is unsheathed and I'm ready to fight. I don't mean that. I mean like these guys at church, they can turn around out of a worshipful frame of mind and engage in violence so quickly that they inflict heavy casualties on the Macintoshes. Even though the Macintoshes win, they paid for it in casualties. And I'm just thinking, wow, how hard do you have to be? As, as one of my military leaders expressed, you got to be hard as woodpecker lips. Anyway, the Camerons lost, but in their defense, they were at church and the MacIntosh just ambushed them while they were at church, and that's kind of lame. Anyway, hey, look, the one thing I've learned in the Army is that if you're in a fair fight, you're wrong. Fighting fair is for insecure high schoolers who care about who's tougher, and sometimes you just got to win. And that's why we go into people's, when we have to go in and like conduct a raid, we do it in the middle of the night with our night vision and just trust that the other guys were racked out. Not that we go in there and start slaughtering people who are no threat to us, but um, we try to catch them when they're not ready is what I'm saying. We've already deemed them that they're a threat. They've already shown themselves to be a threat if that's what we're doing. Or, I mean, I know that's that's ideally. Or it's not an actual raid. It's a uh, more of like a snatch and grab, and you're trying to obtain somebody. You get him while he's racked out cold. So, anyway, I don't know. That pff, softens the blow for the Macintoshes. Don't attack people while you while they're at church. That There's a clear message I want to send. I do not sympathize with the Macintoshes. Don't attack people at church. Don't do it. I'm also not all into just wiping people out. Okay, next battle. Just, that was just in case any of you got a mixed message out of that last one. I don't want to be... Um, misunderstood there. The Battle of Craig 1441. This one is a Cameron victory. Actually, I'm not really sure who was the victor, only that the son of the Macintosh chief was wounded and the chief's brother was killed. So with that, all that the information I have, I'm going to put the Camerons as the winner there. There is also an unnamed battle in 1480. The winner is unclear, but the Cameron chief was killed. So I don't know if that means it was Macintosh victory or not. Now, the Battle of Bungarven. Here we come to one of the battles that I actually wanted to read straight off of the website to you because the story is just too good. And that is largely why I study history. It's because I love good stories. And so here we've stumbled into some some prime, prime stuff. The Battle of Bungarvan, 1570, it actually turns into a Cameron victory. You see the Mackintoshes once again, were coming in to raid into... Into Cameron territory now. I don't want to make this sound like it's t- completely one-sided. We know that the Camerons wait- raided into other parts of the Highlands. That's just part of being a Highlander. Is raids all over? Not just between these two parties here. All over the place. That was part of the way they lived. We can go on to go into more of that cultural aspect of that later on. However, in this case, the MacIntoshes were bringing a force of their guys into Cameron territory. Now, the Camerons got wind of it, went out to meet them. Now, the Camerons were inferior in number, yet they seized key terrain, and so they were able to start this conflict on the high ground. So, from the high ground, the engagement takes place. The Camerons start handing it to the Macintoshes. The Macintoshes are dying left and right and the Camerons in this case are actually led by a man named well his nickname was Talardu Nantuya which means black tailor of the axe which is quite quite the uh, nickname to have. This, he, was, he was a heroic figure he's not the chief but he's close kin to the chief and he's lead, leading the Cameron forces they, in this first engagement, defeat the Macintoshes, who fall back to a different position. They engage again. The Camerons give it to them like before, and the Macintoshes displace and again are beaten. And now it's getting dark, and the Macintoshes get away and they get into what they think will be a secure camp for the night. However, Tallardieu is not done with the Macintoshes yet. He follows them into. Their, the, uh, the Macintosh camp, which was at a place called Kul Nunkulig, uh, where they th- the Macintoshes thought they were safe. All right, now I'm going to start reading from the website. However, the Talardu was not done with his mortal enemies, and along with his men, stormed the encampment and fell upon them. Not a single Macintosh would leave that hollow, and the Cameron victory was absolute. Continuing reading on the website. Uh, by the way, this is clan-cameron.org. An interesting footnote of this battle relates to the mother of Clan Cameron's infant chief. That's why Tallerdu was in charge, because their chief had recently died, leaving an infant to succeed him, who is obviously not capable. So Tallerdu was the one who is leading the leading the charge for the Camerons here. All right, so. This part of the story is about the infant chief's mother. Following the battle, the Talardu bore the news of their victory to Elin and Kriev. Now I don't I guess that's the the place where the chief lived. According to legend, the infant chief's mother was a Macintosh by birth. Now let me pause in reading real quick right there, because I've read some read some exaggerations on how bitter the feelings were between these two sides, that they, they had zero contact for 350 years, no friendly interaction. Now, this would prove that false if this if, if the previous chief's wife was, in fact, a Macintosh. They're intermarrying with each other, so apparently the hatred doesn't just completely grind every relationships to a halt between these two forces. Anyway, so this little baby's mom was a Macintosh. So, upon Tallardieu's arrival, the lady asked him how the battle went, to which Donald replied, Man, and I'm going to try to read this in Gaelic. Please, just bear with me. Gunrov bian cat, an du arplang agis roas taga arpagan, which translates as a cat skin might be had that day for a plaque. This, of course, was a reference to the men of Clan Macintosh whose symbol was a cat. After inviting him into her home, seemingly for further discussion, the lady became so enraged that she threw her own infant son into the embers of the fireplace. The horrified Talardu, watching his young chief treated so roughly, emphatically raised his axe and ordered her to take up the child. She knew that this same axe had recently hewn her Macintosh kinsfolk and had no great wish to suffer a similar fate. Young Alan Cameron was safely retrieved, and his Macintosh mother was bound to a horse, her face to the tail, and was driven from Lochaber forever. Now, if that... I mean, and I don't know how much of that is true, but that's how it was handed down, and, I mean, that's kind of a cool story. Not treating kids like that's not cool, but Talardu's role in that is cool, and uh, saving the infant chief and his loyalty... To a baby. I mean, he could have usurped. I, you know, there's a lot of different ways this could have gone, yet he was loyal to this little baby, this defenseless little child, and she was exiled forever. Just just interesting stuff there. All right. That is the Battle of Bungarvan, a Cameron victory in 1570. All right. The last, er, there, there's a last um, conflict I have here, but then there's another battle, and, and I'll tell you why that's kind of tacked on to the end. The last one I have on here is a standoff at, for, at the Fords of Arkig in 1665, which ends up as a draw, and that's why it's called the standoff. See, what had happened in this case was that um, the the leader of the Cameron, the chief of the Camerons, Ewan of Lochiel, and the Macintosh chief, whose name was Lachlan, actually tried to do some legal maneuvering, and they were both at the court, I believe in Edinburgh, and they were arguing back and forth about this whole thing and how it turned out legally was that the, the macintosh's claim was recognized however they said hey here's the deal the cameron's actually occupy that land and we're not going to make them leave so we are going to make them pay for the land so that, that's how the, the court ruled. Now, this wasn't good enough, and I don't know what it was about this deal. It wasn't good enough for Macintosh. if they, he thought the sum was too low or what the problem was. So he stormed out, unaccepting of the court's decision. He goes home, and he raises 1,500 men. That is just fascinating that 1,500 men are loyal to this one guy based off of either real or perceived kinship, a lot of them. Um, the rest of them just thought it would be a good idea to to fall in with this guy. Anyway, he moves into Cameron territory with 1500 men. All right, so Cameron, you and you and of he has to figure something out here. So he actually recruits an interesting some interesting allies here. On as he marches to to engage the the Hatton force coming into his territory, he enlists the help of some McGregors and also some McEans of Glencoe. Now, if you know anything about Glencoe, you know that that's McDonald territory. And what the deal is here is, and the reason I believe it's they're identified as McEans here, is because the chiefs of the McDonald's of Glencoe, they their patronymic. Just like I said earlier that the, the patronymic, patronymic for the Cameron chiefs was mcdonnell and and you know the campbells their gallic patronymic is macallan more the son of, of great colin the uh the Mackey, the mcdonalds of glencoe their chiefs their the person that they dis- these chiefs descend from his name is john or Yoin, in in gallic or or uh, Mc, or or Ian. That's where we get the name Ian, and so they start to take that name. So I so anyway, these are McDonalds. I just want you to know they're coming from Glencoe. They're called McEans, but they're they're at their at their root, they're McDonalds. Okay, so they so Cameron's forced to meet this fifteen hundred Clan Chattan force that's coming against him. He's supposed to have had, and I'm, once again I'm going back to the Cameron the Clan Cameron website. He had. Uh, 900 men at arms who are armed with guns, broadswords, and targes, and then an additional 300 bowmen. Okay, so reading off the website says indeed it seemed as though the battle to end all battles between the two ancient adversaries is ready to commence now I'm I i do not want to read every detail of this battle I do want to mention out that there's there's some maneuvers here they once again the Cameron seized key terrain they knew that there's only one place to get across Loch Arkig or between this joint of these two different locks and there's there's only one place to ford it that where footmen can come across which is Macintosh's only option because he doesn't have boats so he goes, he gets to that spot first, recognizes that's key terrain and seizes it. Okay, so MacIntosh can't get there. So he's like, well, I'm going to maybe just start moving up the loch and either go around it or see if I can find some other place. So he starts moving up the loch. Cameron leaves 50 men to hold that key terrain and he starts shadowing him along the other side of the loch. What, he ends up dividing his forces and he's going to do kind of like a, he's going to take some guys in boats and then some guys are going to actually march all the way around 18 miles all the way around the loch hit him from a different direction and he's got this plan in mind except for we never know how that would have worked out because John Campbell of Glenorchy who is later made Earl of Bret Alban he shows up on the scene with 300 men of his own and he was sent up there by his chief the, the Earl of Argyle to fix this situation alright so he gets up there and what his plan was to do was I'm going to stop him from fighting and whichever side insists on disobeying me and is going to go fight I'm me and my 300 guys are going to, to fall fall on the other side to add to their numbers and we'll join the fight and that's my threat you can either stop this fight or I'll join the other side and we'll take it to you now, that's from the Cameron website. the The Wikipedia article. And now, once again, I'm using Wikipedia, but I'm going to tell you exactly where this comes from. It adds another adds another um, detail to this. It says on the, uh, where was it? Okay, right here. Cameron wanted to continue his march, so he inter- intercepts Cameron. He doesn't intercept. He's already talked with MacIntosh. MacIntosh agrees to to stand down. And now he's moving with his 300 men up to intercept Cameron, who's maneuvering, right? And he meets, he meets him, and he's got his 300 men with him, and Cameron wants to continue the fight. Cameron wanted to continue his march until Campbell threatened to join his men with the MacIntosh army and set all the forces of the Earl of Argyle against the Camerons. That little extra detail right there about going back to Argyle and getting more guys, that comes from... Alexander Mackenzie, eighteen eighty-three, the history of the Camerons, which is cited in the at the bottom of the article in the footnotes. So, the reason I want to bring out that details, I just think that's interesting. You've got John Campbell of Glenorchy. The Glenorchy Campbells were very powerful in their own right. They were a branch. The, the Campbells had several different branches, and a lot of them were their were clans in their own right, and and powerful. Some of them, including this one. So, John Campbell is already pretty powerful. But he didn't say, I'm going to go back and get the rest of my Glenorchy guys. He says, I will go back, and I will bring to bear all the forces of the Earl of Argyle. If you have any idea, this is the mid-1600s. In this conflict between McDonald's and Campbell's, by this point, the McDonald's have done some serious waning, and the Campbell's have done some serious waxing strong. The The Campbell's are... I, you know, I've never... I to give you like a line graph and show you this is the peak of their power. I don't know that I could say that, but in the mid sixteen hundreds, the the Campbells were very powerful. They had acquired a lot of territory that used to be Macdonald territory. To say that he's going to go back and bring all the forces, of the Earl of Argyll, mm-hmm. that was quite the threat, and and it worked, and Cameron stood down, and this whole thing ends peacefully with the the chief from each side meeting together and. Actually, having a civil conversation for the first time in three hundred fifty years that we know of, they exchanged swords as a symbol of reconciliation, and they uh, and had a drink. They drank to it, so so it this it was a draw. So there's no winner or loser as far as I mean. I guess you could say they're both winners, but that doesn't really to, to this perspective that we're taking to who won the feud. that doesn't lean to one or the other side. Now, the last battle I will make mention of is the Battle of Mulroy which happened in 1688, now this, I included this, this battle involved other clans and was not primarily a cameron Hatton conflict. Yet both clans were involved and the Camerons were on the winning side. So I just wanted to point that out. So if we do a, a count-up of all those battles and who won, it looks like it falls to the Hatton or the MacIntosh side. Now the second perspective, let's, let's talk about that and which was who's in better shape when the fighting's done. It appears that it was the desire of both the Camerons and Clan Hatton to wipe each other out and disable the fighting capability of their opponent for good. This was not the original goal of either side, yet neither side bypassed any good opportunity to destroy as many of the other as possible. In this effort, both sides were disappointed. Members of both Clan Cameron and Clan Hatton were engaged in the Jacobite Rebellion of 1745-46, showing that both sides were militarily capable. On this account, the conflict was a draw. <clears throat> now, the third perspective. When looking from this perspective of accomplishing the original objective, the picture changes. I see this as the most relevant category for deciding who won the feud. Originally, the feud began as a Macintosh effort to dislodge the Camerons and reoccupy Tor Castle and the lands between Loch Hill and Loch Arkeg. No matter what the win-loss record states, up to the end of the clan system, the Camerons continued to occupy those lands. While Cameron chiefs were able to ma- obtain royal charters for their lands, the practical ability to remain seated in their Lochaber territory came through an occupation by force. In addition to MacIntosh efforts to remove them, the Camerons also held out against forces of McDonald's, Grant's, Gordon's, Frazier's, and Mackay's, Or unless you're in America, McKay or sometimes Mackey. But I'm going to... St- Stick with the Scottish pronunciation here of Mackay. Not to mention the Covenanter forces <coughs> Excuse me, of Cromwell and his commanders. For many years beyond their feud with the Hatton Confederation, the Camerons proved to be a por- potent force on the battlefield. In my view, while the Camerons were not the last men standing, because that, that really didn't exist, their stance on the disputed ground when the dust cleared makes them the winner of the feud. So, there you have it. There's my conclusion. I think the Camerons won. But I have some further questions on this, and they are as follows. In discussing the feud, the above mentioned account of the start of the feud, which is taken largely from the Collins Scottish Clan and Family Encyclopedia, as well as I just mentioned the, Cam- the Clan Cameron website, begets a few questions. Donald Dew, Black Donald, the first known chief of the Camerons, was born circa 1400. The Encyclopedia claims that the feud started during his lifetime. Yet other sources state that the Battle of Drum was the first major conflict in this feud occurring in 1337, and that the battle was the result of Angus and Eva's son, William, demanding the land from the Camerons. This would long predate Black Donald's command of the Camerons. What did the Cameron Confederation look like at the end of the 13th century when Angus and Eva vacated Tor Castle? Was it even organized as such? Was it really Camerons who occupied the disputed lands, or was it Clan McGillany, McMartin, or McSorley, independent of the others? It appears that at the time of the Macintosh flight to Rathimerkus, the Cameron Confederacy may not have existed yet. What about the native Hattons? Were they still living near Tor Castle, the ancestral seat of their chief, when the intruders arrived? And by intruders, I mean Camerons. You, you, have, you have the heiress of their clan, and this new man that's married into their clan, William, uh, William, or Angus Macintosh. They leave, and these Camerons come to occupy Tor Castle. Where were the Hattons during all this? Well, or, and if they were around, what was their reaction? Lastly, why was Angus Macintosh fleeing Angus Og of Isla, who was his uncle? All these questions would make great starting points for further research. But that's where I'm at right now. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. That is my take on the the Cameron slash Macintosh feud, the Cameron versus Macintosh feud. And I would love to hear your thoughts, especially if you have a close tie to one side or the other. Or if you have studied this subject a little bit, or maybe if you don't have a close tie and you're looking at this from what you feel like is an objective standpoint, either way, I'd love to hear from you. So go to that Scottish Clans Facebook page, the one I gave you the web address for, and let me know what you think. Let me know any other questions you have. Did I get anything wrong? Was I so far off on my Gaelic pronunciation that it just makes you cringe? Well, help me out. So yeah, you know, post a video of you if you're a Gaelic speaker and you've got this stuff down. Post a video. I would love this. Post a video of yourself on the Scottish clans Facebook page, saying these Gaelic words that I may or may not have butchered. Show, show me. Let me hear what they really sound like. I'd love that. Anyway, I gotta sign off. It's kind of getting late. I gotta get to bed and uh i just wanted to get that out to you so i hope you enjoy it um i hope here's another couple things i hope you do as well as in addition engaging with me in conversation via facebook will you guys subscribe to this to this podcast whether you're doing it from spotify i don't know really how that all works on google play cuz i haven't explored that as much yet but on itunes i know that you can you can subscribe to this you can rate it. If you like what I'm sharing with you, do you think this is valuable? Would you give it five stars and then maybe a little written comment on, on specifically what it is? So yeah. And if you've, if, if, if you give it one star, go on the Facebook page and tell me why. Don't donut, don't give me the negative ratings on iTunes. Actually, do whatever you feel is best. That's what every person ought to do is what they feel is best. I think there's a John Wayne quote that goes something like that. Anyway, good night to y'all or good day, whatever time of the day you're listening to this, and I hope to have you back with me next time. Um, take care for now. Bye.